Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth. Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World podcast. This is Michelle, and today I am here with a colleague and budding friend, I'll say. We got to spend a little time before our call, um, Miriam Mason Martineau. And she uh, works in the world of supporting parents around parenting as a spiritual practice. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to let Miriam take a few moments to introduce herself, and then we'll get started. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for hosting this beautiful space. Let me see, how could I introduce myself? I'm a mother. I have a 13-year-old daughter, Adonia, who I've been homeschooling with my husband since forever, since she was born. Um, I've been curious about conscious parenting way before that. I think it started in my teen years when I sort of just, in a way, organically dropped into the experience that when I'm really present with a kid, how much they just soak it up. Mm. And it seemed to be something that both nourished me and the child. So, you know, that was probably the first seed is just having that experience. And then in my 20s, um, finishing my master's degree in psychology and specializing in child and youth psychology, uh, that question has always been at the front of my inquiry and um, I guess pa- passion and inquiry is how can we raise our children so that they don't have to get over their childhood? How can we, how can we provide a childhood with them so that their experience is more like a, a, a launching pad, like a trampoline rather than, you know, an obstacle course that they've got to get over. Mm. Um, and so I just got really curious about that, was inspired by quite a few families that I saw doing their very best to bring more awareness to the parenting journey. And um, so combining that with my studies and then my counseling and coaching work, it's sort of just been a, an unfolding journey. And my husband and I started putting together our particular approach to parenting in workshop form shortly after our daughter was born. Um, I did writing in my little bits of spare time when she was napping. And, uh, and then after a few years of doing in-person workshops in 2012, we put our approach to parenting in an online format. So an eight week online course. So that's a a very brief little summary of that thread of my life. There's obviously many threads to everyone's lives, but the parenting thread, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I, I did your course many years ago. It was probably three, it's been going on for how many years have you been doing it? We launched it in 2012. Yeah, so I'm going to say it's been at least three years, three or four years. Um, I go back to, I have all the recordings saved on a, on a hard drive and I go back to it periodically. So we'll definitely, I will make sure I share that information to the listeners on the podcast page and we'll make sure we, we give them that information as well before we, before we get off of our, of our call. So I'd love, um, I'd love for you to share with our listeners what it means to you to parent kind of through this lens of spirituality. Mm-hmm. 
you ask that question and as I listen, this huge space opens up and I realize there's so many different ways I could respond to it. So <laughs> let me just start somewhere. Um, I, when I look at parenting as a spiritual practice, I see it from a few main angles. One is that I think to navigate the parenting journey, which any parent knows has both its unbelievable joys, but also unbelievable challenges. So to navigate that, I feel like if we approach it as a spiritual practice, our chances of going through that journey in a way that is both beneficial to ourself and to our family and to our children is much higher. The, the chance of navigating it with grace and with ease and delight. Um, that really the places that become very tricky are often the places where we are sinking into what you could call our lower self and the places where we can reach higher and bring more awareness both to ourselves and to our child are often the ways forward out of what can feel quite stuck. So that's one piece around approaching it as a spiritual practice. I just feel like it really blesses the journey of parenting if we look at it through that lens. I remember when my daughter was little and also now in a renewed sense as she enters her teenage years, sometimes if I just simply say to myself, parenting is my spiritual practice, literally within seconds, there's something that shifts in me just by opening up that context. Mm. Um, and then I also, and this ties in with my ongoing curiosity about what it is to become a human being. What does it actually mean? Like, why are we here? Um, that I, I feel like parenting is all about relationship between self and other, in this case, between parent and child. Um, and so if I approach it as a spiritual practice, it opens up the invitation and, and also the challenge to, for one thing, bring my body, mind, soul, spirit all into unity so that I'm not just one or the other, I'm all of that. Um, and then it really invites me to do a number of things. One is to keep growing up, so to keep developing myself as a person, um, to keep waking up, so that would be to bring more awareness, more mindfulness, more consciousness to every moment. Then there's the whole cleaning up part, you know, which includes becoming aware of my triggers of places that I haven't um, cleaned up, that I haven't even integrated. So that could include trauma work, it could include shadow work, um, and then there's bringing all that into the showing up. So then actually putting it into action um, on a daily basis. Often we do this work when no one else is watching, right? We do it quietly at night or in the living room or in the kitchen. So it's to bring the fullness of who we are into that relationship, um, I find has really deep meaning. And especially when we think that in many ways, it is one of the most important jobs on earth. If we think of the future, it's not an immediate kind of activism that we engage in, but it, it's this long trajectory. And in a way, it's a very in-depth kind of activism. Like, So I often call it parenting as long-term activism, where you truly are making a change in the world, but it's like little moment by little moment, um, sometimes with just one or two or a few children. Mm, so, you, so what you're saying is um, through how we show up with our children and then how they show up in the world is is how we're affecting the world in a greater way. 
Exactly. And I really think every generation, I, I do think we are evolving. So I think every generation usually can take a few steps forwards. Um, I think the more mindfulness we bring to the parenting journey, there can be some leaps forwards. And if I consider the future and the present really now globally, I can I, I, I can only think that we really need to up our game. You know, we really need to improve how we are presencing ourselves as human beings. I think the invitation to become ever finer versions of what it means to be human has never been more urgent. And, you know, with that, I mean, can we bring more kindness to every interaction? Can we spread more light with who we are? Can we bring more compassion? Can we learn to take multiple perspectives so that I'm not just looking at life through my eyes, but I'm constantly making it a practice to look at the world through my child's eyes, through my children's eyes, um, through my boss's eyes, through my partner's eyes, through someone from a different country's eyes. Like, can I keep taking multiple perspectives so that I'm both learning and practicing to get to know my true self, so to come home to who I really am, but also to be able to encompass and honor and respect the many other ways of looking at the world and experiencing it that are present. Um, so, yes, I, I, I find parenting as a spiritual practice. It can sound sort of more ethereal or philosophical or theological, but I actually find it's incredibly practical and powerful. Um, and I, I can't think of a more urgent thing to do is how are we raising this next generation so that they are empowered, so that they know themselves so that they can adapt to change. Because if there's one thing we know, change is just speeding up. Um, so that they don't lose touch with the vulnerable, soft, open-heartedness with which they actually enter the world. Um, but they, they also know how to protect themselves. Um, that they know how to hold boundaries in a healthy way. That they know how to regulate themselves. Uh, that they grow up with self-awareness. So, I mean, there's a full spectrum there, but I, um, yeah, just that's the start. <laughs> yeah. Yes, beautiful. And I, I wonder, because um, some people may be listening and thinking, um, you know, what what is, what is, does my religion, does it matter what my religion is to practice parenting as a spiritual practice? And then also um, I wonder if, you know, as you were saying, I was really touched by the words coming home to myself. It's something I've really been delving into myself and writing about. And um, yeah, I was actually there. I'm planning on doing a podcast, particularly on that. Is that, does that point to the spirituality you're speaking to? Could you point a little bit more closely? Uh, if somebody's listening and this is kind of a new concept, right? Imagine, um, where, where, what's the territory we're in? Where are we pointing to in, in spirituality? Yeah. yeah, I love your question. So when I talk about coming home to oneself, you know, there's many words that we use for that. I often use the word soul or authentic self or my true nature or my essential self. Um, and to me, it's that true self that I am that is actually my most immediate connection point with spirit with a big S. Mm. And so, um, you know, as we grow up, I think when you're, when you're with a newborn baby, they are not trying to be someone, they're just residing in their essential self. Yeah. But they're not yet conscious of it. 
you know, and I do think it's one of the attractions to just hanging out with a newborn and just gazing into their eyes because as they are just being, they're not trying to impress you. They're not, you know, literally, they're not trying. They are just being. Um, it draws that forward in ourselves too, just that quality of presence. Now, like I said, in a newborn, it's not conscious. And so in a way, they're stuck in the present. So if they're happy and delighted, then, you know, they're they're ecstatic and giggling and very joyful. And if their diaper, you know, needs changing or they're overstimulated, you know, then they're also stuck in that and they really need our help. Um, so, you know, after, after that sort of pre-egoic, authentic phase, our sense of being separate from each other gives rise to us creating a bit like a sculpture, you know, a personality, a persona. Um, a, a, in, you know, in Jungian terms, you can call it a mask too. Yeah. Um, and it can be connected with who we are, but it's not it's not completely who we are, right? It's sort of our, our presentational self. How do I present myself to the world? And for some that can be further removed from their true self and for others, it's a little closer. Mm. Um, I think when we approach parenting as a spiritual practice, we want to do two things. We want to really honor and recognize the essence, the essential nature in our little one. Mm -hmm. And we also want to help them navigate and develop a pleasant well-functioning ego self or presentational self because we need that in the world it's like a coat that you put on yes. um and you know when it's cold outside you need a coat I always just say make it a coat that you can take on and off that you don't confuse with who you actually are um and don't get so identified and consumed with it that it's like walking around with clunky armor it's just you ideally your ego is like a lightweight coat that you put on when you go out in the world, you need some protection, um, you know, there's some know-how, how to interact, how to be social, but you can also take it off. And when it feels like um, it's just a lightweight coat, it doesn't cover up your true nature. And so as we keep evolving as human beings, we eventually, I think all of us realize that who we are is, you know, whether you call it lies under or above or around or through that egoic self and that true nature is really where we meet with spirit so waking up to our true nature because I I don't think I think the ego often gets a bad rap I I don't think I think it's such a useful important part of our journey because it actually encourages and in a way forces us to make a conscious choice so from being unconsciously authentic to then building a presentational self we then if we want to keep evolving we then are invited to consciously drop into our home our true self and that's really waking up to who we really are so for me parenting as a spiritual practice is is you know it hinges all on that I mean there's many sort of things that come out of that like what does it mean to then engage in actual parenting when you're home it means all kinds of things, right? It, it, it involves how you connect with your own nervous system. Uh, if you take deep breaths and can find a response rather than a reaction, I mean, it becomes very practical, but it's not hinged to a certain religious lineage. Um, that doesn't mean that it can't include those. I think it absolutely can, as long as the religious lineage doesn't burden the child or the family through a whole set of beliefs of shoulds and shouldn'ts, but it can be a beautiful form that a, a family might feel comfortable in or might get a lot of inspiration and support and community from. Um, 
you know, so it's 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 a particular journey. But when I say parenting is a spiritual practice, I'm not talking about Christian parenting or Hindu parenting or Buddhist parenting or you know any of of those. And I'm really talking about coming home to your true nature, um, which is where you are most connected with life with a big L. I know I'd love to hear an example if you could give. I'm sure you've I've done a lot of this work myself and I'm sure you have. And um, you know, I I tend to call, I can't remember what you had called it. I will call it personas, right? These kind of masks that we wear um out in the world, um, either from your own experience or maybe a client that you've worked with. Could you give us an example or two of something that you would a part of you, you'd notice where you were unconscious before and then you're conscious of it. And you're like, ah, okay, I'm, I'm doing that or being that now. Yes, I've got lots of examples. <laughs> they tend to be fun. I have some really fun ones as well. <laughs> well, um, I think as soon as we, to, to me, this whole work, and I'll just put in a little bracket here. I very um, specifically call it parenting as a spiritual practice, because I think we can quickly, as soon as we hear conscious parenting or aware parenting or mindful parenting, we can get a little freaked out of, okay, this means I need to be perfect. And it's not about that. It's about a practice. It's like building muscles inside ourselves to become more wonderfully human. Okay. So that's just a bracket I wanted to put in there. Um, And so then this work of becoming self-aware so that we meet ourselves truly and more fully and then can meet our child more truly and fully that to me has to be done with boatloads of love and kindness and compassion you know so I often talk to my clients about using a long loving look at the rill which is a um, term coined by Scott Peck an author is that long loving look at the rill because I think if it's not loving Um, it's not really going to work. I don't think we can get into another battle against the ego. So when we talk about these masks or these uh, presentational selves, it's to do it with kindness, to know they have served a purpose. There's usually a story why we built those up. And um, yeah, so we can treat them like friends, but not the ones that we want to have in charge of where we're heading, right? We don't want them driving our, our car through life. We want them in the back seat as as uh, parts of who we are that we can bring on board when we need to. So now back to examples, um, you know, I'd say in, in, in me, I've definitely noticed there's one persona that loves to please, you know, it's a, it's a pleasing self. It's um, polite, socially quite adept. um, So has a hard time saying no. And, you know, often has a bit of self doubt under it and can put other people above it you know so I've really watched that one over years and years and I find this is where parenting is a spiritual practice or just life is a spiritual practice it can sound like it's this big thing we need to go at but to me there's a total simplicity on the other side of it it's not complicated I could analyze that presentational self you know forever Or I could just go, oh, there you are. I can see, maybe I can understand how you came to be. I can see how you're useful at certain times in my life. I can see that you belong in a way to my past, an old story. And now my new story can be as simple as understanding that presentational self and then making it a practice to keep coming home. So when I notice that it wants to come on board, um, it often is connected with a few beliefs, which in my case would be I'm not enough. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have made it a practice that when I notice it wants to come in, um, and I very much work with my clients and in my own life uh, with doing this somatically because I think it all needs to be embodied to be really workable in action in life as a parent. Um, so I'll usually take some deep breaths and put my hand on my heart and actually quietly or out loud to say, I, I'm, I'm enough, I'm loved, I belong. Mm. Um, so it's often to find out what are the beliefs that are kind of imprinted in me in relation to a particular presentational self and then almost like finding the antidote like what's the what's the alchemical other piece that can both uh, respond to that more fully and also uh, transform it so from I'm not enough it could simply be I am enough or um, I belong for me the 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 mantra that I carry a lot that's been super powerful has been I belong I actually I belong in this universe I'm allowed to take my seat in this universe I'm allowed to exist Mm. um you know so I'll put my hand on my heart and I will tell that to myself and I find I've worked with clients for years now and I've noticed that when they are in their ego self it's a different it's a different body somatic experience than when they drop into their true self um, a few things, for example, that I notice over and over again is when we are in our persona, our voices tend to be higher. Mm. And, and so at the beginning of a session, a client might come in and there's just, you can hear the tension in the vocal cords. And as they drop home, it's like the voice starts resonating at a, you know, at a lower timbre. It's, it, it's a different kind of um, sound. Yeah. Um, then of course, there's the whole thing of, you know, how's, how's the heart feeling? Is there tightness there? Is there contraction? Is there tension? Or is the heart soft and open? Um, Is it allowing emotions to just move through? Or, you know, is anything stuck there? Uh, Shoulders, breathing, I find the breath such a powerful practice because it connects our mind and our intentions with our body. So that was just one example. I sort of went on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> yes, yes to the breath. I often say it's the absolute lifeline for parents. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's lifeline because we need it to live, yeah. but it's also, it's always there. It's the one thing that's always there, the breath. You never need to remember to pack it in your handbag, right? Yes, <laughs> to pack it in your handbag. <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh, pack it in your hand. I thought you said pack it. So you don't need to pack it in your hand. No, it's, 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 it's always there. Got it on hand. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And how would you speak a little bit to, um, so for instance, using that example of, um, you know, I'm not enough. Uh, I don't belong. Um, how would, let's say your daughter or someone's child awaken an adult, right? using that example I mean what what part does the child play or the teenager play well a variety of parts but now you are you talking specifically about triggering that particular yeah that's kind of where I was that's what I was imagining as you were speaking to that I was imagining ah you know all of these different parts of myself uh, my children will often just poke 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 they're like they're experts (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're experts and so I'm curious how you work with that or work with with clients or yourself yes yeah well uh one just the way you've said it really looking at it from the perspective that it's an opportunity 
Mm. Um, I, I think the context within which we hold these triggers can make a huge difference. If we just see them as triggers that are painful and difficult, it's one thing. If we realize we're on a journey of growing up and waking up, then suddenly they can become gifts. And if we realize that our children are both human beings, but they're also human becomings. So, on, mm. you know, on the one hand, as a human being, they have their soul. So we're soul to soul. We're two souls journeying together. But they're also human becomings. They're younger. They need our guidance, our feedback, our correction, our discipline. If we can see both those pieces, then we realize we're, we're two human beings on a journey. And I am in a position at the same time of guiding this one who's my child. Um, so context for me makes a really big difference uh, so that when I am triggered, I'm not burdening my child with this sense of why are you doing this to me? Mm. And this actually is the equal with my husband. You know, instead of what, how dare you or why are you doing this to me? If we as a family have an understanding and a culture that we're all on this journey together, then it's like, oh, there's another opportunity. There's another place where I'm unconscious. Here's an, another place where I can become conscious. So that's just a, a sort of a start piece uh, as a response is, how am I approaching this whole um, experience of being triggered? Mm. The other is that um, then you can model to your child how you deal with it. And it's, it's okay if you mess up. If you mess up, then you model how you deal with it when you mess up, right? Mm -hmm. You apologize. Like, I'm so sorry, you know, when you've recovered. I'm so sorry. Um, I apologize for becoming loud or being rough. And you make good. So, mm. and if you manage to pull it off, um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this one time I was trying to get Adonia to bed. She was little at the time and she just would not sleep. And I could feel how I was starting to lose my patience and out of the blue, you know, uh, the, the, the idea came to just stop and start praying because I really was at my wits end. And so I closed my eyes and I was just praying. And then and she was startled because I had shifted out of the dynamic of you need to get to bed now into just closing my eyes, becoming quiet. And so she gets very curious and she pipes her, Mama, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying. And she's like, what are you praying for? So I'm praying for patience. And it was this beautiful space that opened up um, of her just realizing, huh, I guess that's a possible way to go about it. I guess how she was interacting with me, she, you know, she was noticing that it was wearing me, but it wasn't a blaming or shaming. It was more just her seeing how I could navigate that. And, mm. you know, from then on, we, we continued. But um the other piece, when, when I'm triggered by her, because I see it as an invitation to get to know myself more fully, in the moment of the triggering, if I can catch it and see, to me, you know, you have this whole project here about mindful parenting, which I, I, I resonate so deeply with. I feel like we're just like on the same course together here. Yeah. The way I've noticed that awareness grows is first we become aware of a trigger or a pattern or a reaction after it's happened. And we kind of look back and go, oh God, there I did it again. Yes. But if I think of it like a muscle and I keep connecting with this possibility that I can become more aware, um, at one point I become aware while it's happening. Yeah. So I'm getting triggered. I, I'm actually not able to change it, but at least I'm aware that it's happening. So that's already a huge step forwards. And as I keep working that muscle, 
And so this takes time, right? Like any, any muscle that we work. Yes. One point I, is the magical moment where I become aware ahead of time. And why I always celebrate this moment with my clients is once you're aware ahead of time, then you can actually make a different choice. So the triggering, you know, contains in itself a, a mini journeys. Each trigger has a mini journey of first I'm aware afterwards, then I'm aware during, then I'm aware before, then I can make a new choice. Um, as much as possible as I'm getting triggered, can I keep working with breathing, regulating my nervous system, getting to know, being really curious, what is it that's triggering me? I think inquiry is one of the best practices we can engage is just like being curious, like, why am I getting triggered here? Why is the way she's talking to me right now, the tone she's using or the emotion she's expressing, why is it making my skin crawl? Mm. You know, is this an emotion that I wasn't able to work with as a kid because it wasn't welcome in my family of origin? Um, is it that tone of voice that lights up something in me like um, I'm not enough or I don't belong or whatever it is, right? Like, so to, to bring it into an inquisitive place where I'm, I'm aware first, then I'm attuning, like I'm tuning into what's actually going on. And then I'm anchoring, right? I'm coming home. I'm doing whatever I need to kind of um, be back in tune. And then I'm starting fresh into the next moment. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question. I went on uh, a longer yeah, no, that was beautiful. And I, I don't even remember exactly where we started. And I'm thinking that. You were asking about triggers and children and how that oh, kind of works. Yeah, there's yes. just so many examples. Of yeah, stuff. no, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, the triggers. And, you know, I know what I was, I was actually, I kind of got lost. I was listening. I was listening so closely and I got a little bit lost. There was something I was going to ask as I was listening to you that came to mind. Um, you know, I, I can imagine parents listening saying, well, you know, if we're always attuning and we're always listening and we're always questioning ourselves, where do, where do rules and, and discipline come in, right? Where does that, I'd love to hear, that's often a question I like to ask uh, people doing work like you're doing. And I do really connect with so much, you know, I feel like we're, we're soul sisters on a similar path and I'm really appreciating your answers and, um, and just, it's coming from, for me, I'm experiencing it as coming from such a heartfelt place of, um, you know, life's work. That's what it, it feels like to me. So thank you for your life, life's work. Um, you know, where, how do you talk to people around discipline or rules where parenting is a spiritual practice? Yeah. So connected with what I was just saying, when I, when I bring up the topic of discipline, one thing I encourage myself and the parents I work with is to always make it the first priority is where am I coming from within myself? So it's literally as if, um, you know, I'm just writing an article about this um, this week, so it's, it's right at the forefront of my mind. It's like if you are playing a violin in an orchestra and you are getting ready to play music with other people or just a duet with one other, uh, other musician. The first thing you're going to do is tune your violin. You're never just going to go take it out of its case and start playing. You'll tune it first and then you'll play. And if while you're playing, it starts getting out of tune, you will most likely stop and you will retune it. Mm -hmm. So in the musical arena, it's very clear you've got to have a tuned instrument to make music. 
And so I like to take that as an example and translate it over to, for example, discipline is if I'm disciplining my child, which is really another word for educating and guiding, orienting, correcting, um, you know, accompanying my child, Mm -hmm. that's like making music. So can I first go, am I in tune, which brings us back to am I home? You know, is my nervous system regulated? Am I calm? Am I sourcing a confidence that's not coming from a reaction, but that's coming from that true self? And what if you're not? What if you check in and you ask yourself that question? You know, uh, no, the answer is no. Yeah, great. So then if you can, you know, sometimes you've got to be quick. Um, But if you can, first of all, come home. Yeah. You know, it's like before I open my mouth, like it just happened to me yesterday. I was thinking there's this chore my daughter needs to do. I asked her an hour ago. She still hasn't done it. And I was scrubbing in the shower and I was like, I I could feel how part of me wanted to uh, yell through the house. Hey, could you please get this done now? And I was starting to feel a bit of annoyance that it wasn't done. And luckily, because I don't always catch myself, but I caught myself as like, wait a minute, I'm not in tune. Mm. right so how about I just shut up literally and I don't mean repress I mean just contain like just hold it in and wait until I feel like I'm not reacting to either bring it up or just see who knows maybe she's gonna do it without me saying anything Mm. Um, now I agree there's times when um, you know safety is an issue um, or your child's gonna harm her himself or someone else and then you just need to dive in and then I say deep breath Eye contact, love you, we'll get through this, scoop you up, you know, take you out of the sandpit so you don't hit the other kid over the head with a shovel. Like, you can be quick, too. Um, And to think of it like a practice, the more you do it, the easier it's going to get to the point where it gets kind of thrilling because things that used to be hard to remember actually get easier. So I do think it it takes a fair bit of commitment. Um, Yes. But I always say to myself and others, you've got nothing to lose because the stuff you need to figure out to parent well, you need to figure out to human well, like to actually be a good person and to be a good partner um, and to be a good friend. So it all weaves into every aspect of our lives. It's not like I'm just doing this to parent well, you know, and I don't really have time because I'm busy with other stuff. It's like, no, whatever you're doing to parent well is going to feed into living well and relating well in the whole of your life. Yes, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And we only have a few more minutes. So I want to make sure I just want to let um, let the listeners know um, a little bit about this eight-week course that you give. It's starting when? May 1st? That's right. Yeah, it runs uh, from May 1st to June 26th. Wonderful. It's online, so you can take it from wherever you are. Um, it has eight weeks to it. So there's eight teaching segments, there's practices, there's a private Facebook page where we gather as a community and there's some live Q&A coaching calls. Um, and it's always just deeply heartening to meet and get to know and journey. I really see every time we embark on this course, I see it like I'm, I'm uh, going on a journey with a whole bunch of awesome families and parents and caregivers. We've had grandmothers, um, aunts and uncles take it. We've had friends of families take the course. We've had pregnant women take it. And then of course, lots of parents. So really it's, I I, I love to broaden it beyond this is just for parents because I really do believe, I'm sure you do too, Michelle, that, you know, we, we raise children, not in a vacuum, but in a village. And so 
it's a societal thing is how can we be more present? How can we get to know ourselves more? How can we strengthen connection with children, be more tuned into their unique self? All the while, you know, and this is a thread that runs through the whole course. We're definitely looking at how can we raise the bar, like the standard of how kind and conscious and non-reactive can you be? Um, but if you don't balance that out with a whole bunch of kindness and compassion yourself, you're just going to get overwhelmed and stressed. So, you know, I keep emphasizing it's a practice. So some days you just need to be gentle and kind. Other days you need to say, okay, come on, give it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a marathon, right? Not a sprint. <laughs> well, it was so nice to to catch up with you and to hear about the course and to get some of your perspective. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Such a delight to be chatting with you. And um, thank you for hosting this beautiful podcast space. And yeah, thank you to welcome. all the listeners who take the time to listen. That's uh, such a gift. We would not... It's like when you're a musician, you need an audience for the whole thing to play. So maybe my yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Well, we're ending here, um, and we'll see you next time. Uh, may you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend. And give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes.